From the Mara to Svalbard, this is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye. Now, if I take you back to episode 361 of this podcast, it was called Guest Questions About the Wild Eye Mara Camp. Evan LeMay got hold of me and he booked for the Mara uh, Safari in our Mara camp and he said he would like to do a podcast in which he asks all his questions about coming to the camp and to Africa for the first time. So in episode 361 we did that. Eventually then after COVID and a whole bunch of stuff obviously in between, uh, I joined Evan for a week in the Mara. He sat on for a second week. I think Johan hosted that week and then when I ended my week the day before I left, uh, Evan, myself, and Dixon recorded episode 408, which is called The Catch-Up in the Mara, and we just chat about the experience that he just had and he was having. And now again, I caught up with Kevin in this. Kevin, Evan, Evan, I can do this. Uh, long day in the studio, you see. So I catch up with Evan from Calgary. He's back home, and he is now going to join me in Svalbard in 2024. So we touch base just a little bit where he's at. Uh, how he settled back into life after his Mara trip. And then we start speaking about Svalbard, which, again, down the line, I'll chat with Evan about his dedicated questions for the trip. But for now, I hope you guys enjoy this one. A little bit of everything, and um, I will chat in the next episode. Enjoy. Evan, it's good seeing you, man. How's life? Good. It's awesome. It's uh, I Basically, as soon as I got into Nairobi I wanted to go right back to the Mara it was like there's too many people just take me back it's a strange thing it's it's always I often get it when I go to the like the the icy places because it's so different for me and then the moment I leave I need like three or four days to decompress before going back to the real world something similar yeah. like that eh? yeah and I got thrown right into it because I got back and I completely forgot this but it was Thanksgiving in Canada so I got back and then the following day, we had our Thanksgiving dinner, and I was following just day, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, so of course I have people asking me questions. I'm like, I'm too tired to answer yeah. anything right now. <laughs> Yo, I'm a zombie right now. If you don't mind, just give me a bit of breathing space here, huh? Yeah. Nice, but no, so tell me. So you got to thanks. Just sorry, I have to ask. Thanksgiving. When is Thanksgiving in Canada? Then? Um, I never remember. It's usually like it's October, where it's. The U.S. Thanksgiving is actually it's this week in November. I, I should probably know this. Yeah, I, I think Thanksgiving is Thursday today, actually, for the Americans. Yeah. Why yeah. is it different? I mean, this is probably very ignorant, but I can't remember why we why it's different for us. Hmm, it's interesting. Because um, when you yeah, said you I'm came sure. back in front of Thanksgiving, I'm like, holy hell, where did you go after the morrow? <laughs> You've been traveling <laughs> I all wish the time. I but now, so listen. So you get to Thanksgiving, and let's say you were in your full senses and you weren't beyond tired. And someone asked you to just in a short mm. way explain your experience. What would you say? Um, I would say like the obviously the animals in the landscape were amazing, but the people like Sakaya and Tenke and Sammy, Jimmy, Mary, mm. everyone there. That's what made it. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I was a mess. I was a mess when I left. Oh, really? Just, oh, yeah, bawling my eyes out. No. I must be, I, I was speaking to someone yesterday on the podcast to Apple Sammy, and I got the staff here in the office to ask some questions, and, and Alice to ask him, so uh, when you left, did you cry? Be honest, the first time. 
And he's like, no, no, you got to be emotional. I'm like, dude, I swap my eyes out most of the time I leave. And then on the one year, 2019, I was, Jono and them sent from, from our office here, they sent an email that I had to read for the staff on the last evening. I'm like, yeah. I can't do this. No, it was a mess. It was terrible. But it's funny how yeah. we always think people would go back to the Mara for the wildlife of the landscapes. But it's always, it's, it, I think it's the connections you make. Yeah. What was the thing that surprised you yeah, most like, about the staff? I I think I want to say everything just because like I think I had some minor expectations, but they everything they blew out of the water. Like I expected them to be warm and friendly because I've heard you talk about them and, and all that, but it just mm. everything about them. Like I think I said the last time we did this, I said it felt like coming home to family that I hadn't met before, like kind of distant relatives that you knew about. I love that. But you had never met. Mm. It's funny how, and I think, and I'm definitely not blasé to the fact of how special it is, but we get in there often, we start thinking of it as home. And often yeah. when, and I'm just shooting from the hip here, but at home you feel comfortable and you kind of switch off from how special it is to have that kind of home. That. I physically have to remind myself every once in a while that, hey, listen, just, just look around and see where you're at. And I I would often, and I found this once or twice when we were in the Mara as well, just sit back and see you having a conversation with Dixon or someone. And that's the yeah. goal, hey. That's the goal. I think it's the environment. I think it's the safety of the campfire. Um, the campfire kind of being where we all come together. It's just, it's a, it's a and I think the, the whole is bigger than the sum of all the parts somehow. Yeah. Yeah, you just like that would be my advice to anyone that goes there is yeah, take in wildlife <laughs> and the landscapes, but really like know everyone there, like everyone in the camp. Um because yeah. like I said to you, I didn't want to spend my whole trip on my computer. No. Best thing. So when I and left that following week, did you also stay off the computer? Pretty much, yeah. Like I did a little bit more, mm. but I still I had, and I think no, I mentioned was, this to you as well. Yeah. I think you doing it that way is the best thing. I said to you as well, the previous two trips that I had there this year, I said to the people, after dinner, no Lightroom, because people end up sitting behind that screen while you've got Africa outside. And then you've got the, the hippos, the yeah. water, the campfire, the Maasai. Why sit on <laughs> your computer? It just doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Yeah. Nah, it's very scary. What would you say if, this is an unfair question, I know, but what was a highlight? Is there some one moment, a singular moment that stands out? Mm, second week, I had a hippo fall asleep right by my tent. Like I, I could hear him sighing. <laughs> and I had just gotten so used to them at that point. I finally did just say, like, if you're going to sleep there, just please be quiet because I'm trying to yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just we, we agree on this. Just kind of. Yeah. You're fine there. Sure. Just. Yeah. 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 And I remember as well, the one, as I said that to you, the one that came to mind for me was when you saw your first elephants, we stopped. Now I still took a bunch of pictures with you and your eddies because yeah. as one of your favorite animals, I thought there was quite a nice moment there as well. Hey? Yeah. That was another, I got a little teary eyed for that one. Not like when I laughed, but I definitely got teary eyed. What did, can, can, if, if you don't mind sharing, what did Dixon say to you when you get all teary? Because I remember once he had, we had this guy from Europe, a financial director of some massive company, and the guy also is all emotional. Dixon says, come on, man, real men don't cry. But Dixon, leave him. It's because he's just so innocent in his way of saying things. 
I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. Like, he didn't say anything like that. I think yeah. he understood that they weren't like angry, completely sad. sad tears yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mary was definitely a little more open to being affectionate when I was upset. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Sakai, yeah, just kind of, he didn't say anything, but I could pick up, like, okay. Yeah. Stop, stop the crying. You're good. I, th I think also for you, and this, I, I would have said it cuts both ways, but the, the thing that you had with, well, it was three people on the first week and two people on the second week. The, yeah. the intimate nature of, you almost had the intimate staff experience more than most because of the, it just happened to play out that those were the group sizes that you were involved with. And I think mm -hmm. that as a, as an almost exclusive week, that also heightened the things quite a bit, I think. Hey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the whole second week, um, Sakai basically, we had a competition, him and I, about who got to pour whose water. Oh. <laughs> because the whole first week, he had been pouring my water. Yes. And then the one day I had in between when you guys had left, I asked yeah. if I could pour his water. And then it just became a competition. <laughs> and we just started like bugging each other about it. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's my advice to anyone. Just experience not only the wildlife and the landscape, but experience the people. Mm. It's a huge thing. And I don't think we, when we started the product, we didn't think about it in that way. We thought it was going to be, we knew the people were special I and mean, they were good people. But mm -hmm. again, it, it, it almost got a life of its own and it just kind of ran away, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how was life when you got back? What did you get up to when you got back home? Um, I think right back Thanksgiving, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That was, like I said, that was interesting. Um, and then just right back into school and work um mm. editing photos that, yeah. that's kind of have you had a chance to go through all your images from the morrow most of them um and i've been pretty consistent for posting at least one photo a day on instagram from it yeah nice and then just trying to not just like post a caption like explaining this is a cheetah blah 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 like actually going into it and explaining that's trying cool. to citing and, or something about it yeah and I mean, looking back at the photography are you happy with what you got because people oh, yeah. always expect certain things and when they get back, I mean, you're happy with the kind of stuff you got, eh? Yeah, I got stuff that I expected to get. I got stuff that I didn't expect to get and just, yeah, it was awesome. Mm. Favorite photograph? Is there such a thing yet from the trip? Uh, we had Rasasi and her cubs come right up to the vehicle and I got a really nice one of the cub looking straight up at the vehicle. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is this when there was, was three, four? Because I know one died after a while. Yeah, because the fourth had already died before the first week. So that's we right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And um, tell me something. The Suja was he still active when you guys were in the second week? The big leopard. Yeah. So I think it would have been Max's first day there. We had a crossing, and we uh -huh. saw him on the other side. Like he just sauntered up to the other vehicles on the other side. Oh, the other side of the river. Yeah. Oh, you crossed. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, I can't remember what crossing. I think it was Peninsula that we saw him. Mm -hmm. That we had the crossing on. Yeah, and oh, just walked know. right amongst all the vehicles. Mm. And so, so let's just go back quickly here. So the the first podcast was a three sixty one, which was get you asked questions about the whole trip. We now did a catch up with Dixon yeah. on four or eight, which is from the Mara. 
if you could start looking now, let's say, for example, I take the Wild Amara camp. It doesn't exist. It's gone. If you had to now go and look for another trip to the Mara, what would be the things that you look for? Having been there now and experienced it, our camp doesn't exist. What are the things you look for? I would look for a camper lodge that gets me like as close to wildlife because <laughs> just being in the tent and everything, I think it's the only way to do it. So I would, because it just gets you that much closer. It doesn't take you out. You're with nature mm. 24 hours. Yeah. And I yeah. just feel like if you stayed in a walled in lodge or something, you would lose that. Mm. We've often said that I mean, if, you, if you have like a walled in lodge, you close the door, you turn the aircon on, you might as well be in a, you can be in a hotel in Toronto. It doesn't matter. It, it yeah. sounds the same. So that's a very big deal. What else? Um, I would check to see how long you are, like how long you're out on drives and stuff and just spending time out there. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think those are the two main things. Because mm. it's always interesting to me, once people have their experience and they kind of, the experience is formed and you've got this thing. Mm -hmm. If you had to go and look for that thing again and you don't go to the same one, what is it that you would get attracted to? Um, how big a role, I mean, from social media, how much did it mean to you or influence your decision seeing all the staff getting to know I mean, myself and the guys and Dixon and all those people. Did that make any difference? I would say so, yeah. Like the fact that you and I have been talking through, we started talking through Instagram and then yeah. we planned to do the podcast like years ago. And mm. yeah, that definitely helps. So if you mm. can communicate with everyone and not just like one person, that's, yeah, that's definitely something I would look at. Mm. And Dick, Dixon's turned into a full-time influencer from Kenya. I mean, he's crushing it, so... Yeah, this is totally all over Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> but he's going to be, yeah, Kenya's number one influencer. He's giving like a Kim Kardashian from Kenya. It's quite scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I tell me, I mean, are you so so? You planned this trip. COVID came in between. It was a long time coming. What's next for you? Um, I think what we're supposed to talk about today, which is Svalbard. Ooh. <laughs> I saw the mails between you and Judy happening. Tell me about it. What, what, what's happening? I don't know. I got home and I was like, okay, I want to do another trip. And I want to do another trip with Jerry. Mm -hmm. And I think I should do a like literally a polar opposite. Which is a good call. Uh, yeah, it's like from the equator to the North yeah. Pole. Done. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, okay, why do I want to go somewhere where there's snow when I already live somewhere that there's snow? <laughs> yeah. And how? What's, I mean, what is it about Svalbard that that's the attraction? Um, the polar bears, the landscape, because like we, I know we, you and I talked about Churchill and mm. all that, and it's, how it's vastly different. But also, Churchill is stupid expensive, even for me as a Canadian to go there. It's insane. Really? What? Yeah. Out of interest, what are you looking? Because I haven't. I did some castings on Churchill a couple, well, before COVID, and it was interesting. What did you look at? Was it the the tundra buggies and then staying in one of the lodges or? No, I was looking at, oh, what is it? Churchill Safaris or something. The, the one that, like, they really highlight the wolves and the polar yes. bears. Churchill Wild, I think they're called. Yeah, yeah, something yes. like that. And yeah, they're, yeah. So just, that's a down the down the road trip. Mm. That's the one I think where they've got, so it's from Churchill, it's southeast on a map somewhere. They've got three lodges. 
I think there's no nook. Yeah. And there's two others. And the one, they take you particularly to go and look at the polar bear babies when they come out their dens. And yeah. I, mean, I remember reading up on that trip as well. I, I got costings from a wildlife point of view to do that with them. And it was quite on the high end. But it's also like they'll say, like, you might not have hot water or cold water because everything might freeze. You should be able to walk something stupid like 10 to 15 kilometers per day through 50 mile per hour wind and snow and it's like you have to be like big grills or something just to get there. It sounded quite rough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Like, I think I think they're just lacking the infrastructure, but also Canada, just traveling within Canada is ridiculous. Expensive? Um, yeah, yeah, it's insane. Like, if I want to go to uh, Newfoundland, which is gorgeous and has fjords and everything, and it, it's just insane. Yeah. It would cost me this fly to Europe. And our government's always like, you guys need to travel within our country, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, but no one's going to travel in our country when we're At paying that, that amount of money. Sorry, just to go down a rabbit hole, did, did, the, did the flight costs internally um, inside of Canada change dramatically since COVID? Did they go? Because in South no. Africa, it's, it's ridiculous. No, it's kind of always been like this. Um, sure. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, I mean, Have you traveled much inside of Canada then? Not so much out east. Um, honestly, I've traveled more of the Western United States than I have Western Canada. Um, yeah. But like I've done British Columbia and um, Manitoba, but not Churchill. Mm. That's a big ass country, though. Yeah, I mean, most of our like our provinces, we have only ten provinces, but most of them are bigger than I would say all the U.S. states, except maybe Alaska. Mm. No, it's huge. So, I'm still, I'm still, I mean, and we, we'll speak about this down the line, but I'm still looking at um, including Banff in something. Um, and I've got that contact that you gave me, but, and I'm going to go, you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong here. The idea of organized photo trips like we do. So where it's everything, mm -hmm. you just get there, everything's taken care of. I've been struggling to find those in some areas in Canada. Yeah. There'll be guides who say that, and they'll have a very nice website and have you, and it's like, oh, yeah, here's my pictures from Banff or around Calgary or where British Columbia. I can take you out for a day type thing. And I've, I've and it's the same in the US. I've, I've spoken to quite a few people because we're looking at the trips to New Mexico and Utah. I'm hoping to do one in February, one in October next year. And again, it's mm -hmm. the idea was for me to try and find someone who could be a one stop shop who could do everything. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, they'll book the guide. But I've got to book the transfers and they can help with the accommodation. And maybe it's like, what the hell, man? It's even more work than doing it on my own. It's very strange. It's very yeah, strange. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you reach out to Callum, he should be a good person to talk to. Because he used to do that a little bit when he lived out here. Yeah. Um, now he lives in Vancouver. So. Mm. But he and might he, even be willing to do it. Yeah. No, sorry, you're saying? I just said he might even be willing to do it. I'm, I'm not sure. But Yeah. No, no, I'll definitely. I've got a, I've got a list for next week before I fly to Chicago to try and get a few things done. Um, so tell me about yeah. Svalbard. What's your thoughts? What questions do you have on that? Because that's a, it's a very different burger from the Mara. Mm. Okay, I'm going to ask you why, I, as a Canadian who deals <clears throat> with the cold for like six months out of the year, why should I go to Svalbard? Because it's fucking awesome. That next question. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, you know, in all honesty, I think it's. And it's twofold. It's I can put it onto experience and onto history. Um, even I think from your point of view, 
coming when you land in Long Ipin and you get off the plane, there's something about opening. The cold air wouldn't do much for you because you're used to that. But when you get off and you realize, and you literally, if you look on a GPS or on a map and you see where you mm. are, you're like 1,300, 1,400 kilometers from the North Pole, from the top of the world. And then yeah. as you go, you realize that, I think you realize the lack of scale to the place. So as far there's only 2,000 people that live there. Um, mm. You get into the town and you realize, holy shit, this is probably as isolated and alone as I've ever been in my life. Then you get on the boat and you go even further north. And you right. get to within, depending on how far up you go, 1,000, 1,000 kilometers from the North Pole. Um, when you start understanding the history of the place and how deep it goes and how a lot of the exploration, both for North and South Pole, comes from there. And then mm. on top of that, going on a boat where there's only 11 people or 11 guests plus myself and then the other guys, and you go yeah. up at any given point in time, you are probably, if I take the globe and I draw a circle around it, you are probably 12, call it, of the most northern people in the world at any point in time, that there's nobody further north on the planet than you are. That shit becomes right. real. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's it's again, it's a combination of things, but there's a feeling to the place. It's it's harsh. It's angry. It's beautiful. It's it's an ang beautifully angry landscape. It's, mm. it's amazing, man. It is absolutely yeah. insane. The polar bears, and I think what we try and do, the narrative we try and push around it is... We're not going to only see polar bears. We are going to see the world in which the polar bear exists and all the mm. facets thereof. So it's everything from blue whales to belugas to the puffins to the walrus to the seals to the ice, how the ice works. And the value add, I think, for us is between Bo Christian and my two, two expedition leaders. I've done about six, seven years with them. They'll be there for that. And I do Greenland with them. I only do it with them. We do lectures on board. So there's lectures on the history, on ice, on bears, on seals. It's just, if I, and I've said, I might've said this to you. If I could choose one trip a year and you take everything else that I do away, I would do Svalbard any day of the week. Yeah. No, it is. It's a combination of special. It really is. Yeah, no. And I think that's probably what sold me on it too, is just hearing you mm -hmm. talk about it. And I'm like, okay. Jerry's a cool guy. I got to figure out why he loves this place so much. Oh, it is. I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a sucker for cold. So like, I'm going to Iceland in mm -hmm. next week, but I'm flying through Chicago yeah. first. I've gotten colder in Chicago than I have anywhere in the world, literally. Mm -hmm. That place is, geez, it snows sideways like this because of the wind. It is yeah. insanity. But there's something about the cold. I mean, you, I mean, how hot was it in the Mara? For us, it was about 26, 27, hey? Wasn't yeah, it wasn't hot. that. I think yeah, I think we had a couple days where it was 28. That was probably when yeah. I burned myself. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. there's something about the cold, and that's what I feel when I get off the plane in, in, in Longyearbyen. Because you don't walk into a terminal like in Iceland, you get at Reykjavik, you walk into the terminal. At Chicago, you walk yeah. into the terminal. Anyway, here you walk off onto the tarmac, you turn around, and there's these mountains surrounding you. And the cold blast mm. of air, it makes you feel alive. There's something to me with cold and cold exposure that makes you feel alive. And that to me, when I arrive there, is just it's special. And I knowing that you're gonna get cold, I often don't put my jacket on. It's like my own little protest. Hmm. So I'm gonna walk down the stairs and I'm gonna get cold because now I feel I'm here. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. How much do you know about Svalbard? Not a whole lot. Like I remember watching what was the documentary they did on it? Ice Town? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 
I remember watching that. Like, I think they had a marathon, and I spent all day in front of the TV watching it. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I just, I think I know a little bit more about Churchill, mm-hmm. so it's always comparing it to that. Yeah. Um, You've never been to Churchill, it, though, hey? No, no. no. Um, remember hearing about it growing up a lot, uh, just because my great grandfather was a, a teacher up at the military base there. Oh right. Um, but even then, I didn't really hear a lot mm. about that. How much? Watch. Can you remember in Ice Town? There was a guy sitting at the coffee shop. The coffee shop's called Cafe Fruin, um, mm. he, and he's like a reporter or a guy. And I'm trying to think what his name is, but he literally every time I've been there for the last nine, ten years. Right. This guy's in his corner and he's the go to. I think he writes the, the blogs, the newspapers. He is like the go to person for anything. And I think he features in that quite heavily. I'm mm. not mistaken. I must go and check. The other documentary you have to watch, it's not a documentary, sorry, miniseries. It was called, is it Fortitude? I think it's called Fortitude. Let me insert that quickly. So, so yeah. what it is, it's a series Fortitude. I think it's two seasons. I just want to pull this up for us quickly here. The little uh, internet fortitude. Yes, it's called Fortitude. It's a British horror psychological thriller um, series created and written by someone. A 12 episode season was commissioned by Sky Atlantic. So it's called Fortitude and it plays off in. Now, they don't ever say the words Svalbard or Longyearbyen. They don't say that. Yeah. But it's an Arctic town very far north and there's polar bears around. There is no other town like this, right? So, and a lot of it was mm-hmm. filmed in and around Svalbard. But it's a pretty cool, it's like a crime horror where it's a small town, it's snowy, they have to carry guns around, someone gets murdered, and then it's the horror side. It's a pretty, if going to Svalbard, very, very good um, good one to check out. The other one I'm going to give you now as well, it's called, um, I'm just going to look, it's a book, I think it's called Dark Matter. Is it Dark Matter or Dark Nature? I'll find this for you. It's also a book because one of the things we'll do when we get it's either Dark Matter or Dark Nature by a woman called mm. Anna Pavel, I think, P-A-V-O-L, I think. I must really think about that. But so what she did in the 80s as well is she heard about Svalbard and she went. Now, all along, mm. a nice thing with the history of the place is there's a lot of whaling history. So where the whalers came and they built from there, there were trappers, there was mining, lots of mining. And you'll go around, they've got these trappers' cabins still up. So you'll go, we're going to some of them yeah. when we go and you can see how they live there and this and that. And this woman, she's an author from the US. She went to Svalbard and she wrote a, 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 like a, a thriller horror story about three scientists who go over winter in the pitch dark to now research, whatever. And each individually, they start seeing things and hearing things, but none of them want to tell the other one that they saw it because they're going to think they're mad. And it's pitch dark and there's no light and very, very good read. Just a, It's a good old-fashioned ghost story about it. I must find yeah. the name for you quickly. Um, I think we talked about this in the Mara, I think. I, I, I remember... It does ring a bell, hey? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I wrote it down somewhere on my phone here, but... Um, novel, ebook. It's a dark nature. I've got the book at home, so I will send you a picture on WhatsApp if I remember dark nature can't find it now but that things like that and then if you look at like the like in the south you've got shackleton and the endurance and the whole thing about how they went across this that the other with the stories about uh rod amundsen and how they how these guys explored and how the first zeppelin the airship 
went from New Alicent over and the stories, because there's a little museum we'll go to. But we go to these places. You stand at the mast where Amundsen launched the, the Norga, the first airship. The history is so deep and so intense. And you realize those were real men. We're pussies today compared mm. to those guys. I mean, these guys, the men were men and so were the women. It was hardcore, man. It was insane. Yeah. And that to me adds so much to that place because everywhere along the way, you see a cabin here. And then in the history, you'll see, oh, this is where this thing sank. It's it's probably one of the places in the world that hasn't been tamed yet. Like, like and this I think we spoke about. If we go to Africa, you and I get left for three months in the Mara. We can take whatever gear, clothing we want. We're going to be okay. We mm. can live off the land. We can kill an impala and eat that and rub sticks together to make fire. And we can stay warm and, and so on. Even if you take the best gear, clothing-wise, all the Gore-Tex, everything, and you go going overnight in a place like Svalbard, up in the ice, you're going to have a fucking hard time. It's It's real. Yeah. And still, those it is so harsh that it makes you feel alive. I think it is. I'm carrying on now, but you'll get the idea. It is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, sick place, no, man. No. Sick place. What uh, yeah. what camera gear are you going to take up for that? You're going to aim for a big lens. Yeah, I can't. Just, I was going to ask you that. What because mm. let's see what I've got. I've got my sixteen to thirty-five. Yes. Uh, twenty-four to one hundred five, and the mm. two hundred to six hundred. Yeah, they're good. You're good. It's so, so I mean, the, yeah. the, the 16 to 35 is very nice for on the boat. It's something that I recommend a lot of people do because the Stockholm that we use, the MS Stockholm, beautiful old vessel. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all very, mm -hmm. very nautical marine. So, like, if you go and you take pictures close up with the 16, beautiful detailed shots around the ship. Uh, what was your next one up? Uh, 24 to 105. That's probably going to be your landscape thing because the landscapes are so big that you can even do landscape sometimes with a 400 like in the distance and pick pieces mm. of snow and ice and textures. And then the two to six will definitely be your go-to all the time for any wildlife, whether we get bird cliffs yeah. or polar bears. The only exception there would be if we go and walk towards a haul out of walrus. There you might need a wider one. But no, the two to 600, right. those are perfect. Hey? Um, are you taking two bodies, assuming? I'll probably just take one body this time. Yeah. It's... Maybe. It's, it's funny. It's because I would always recommend two, but it's probably the one place where you have time to change. Yeah. It's the only, the only challenge is, and we had it this year, there was a polar bear walking along the ice edge and we put the nose of the Stockholm onto the edge. So he walked towards us and then around the front of the ship and carried mm -hmm. on. That was the only time I've ever wanted to change lanes because my other stuff was inside and it was snowing. So that's the yeah. only, if, if, if the perfect storm, you know what I mean, happens and you want to change, but no, one is plenty. Hey? Especially on the Zodiac, it becomes a lot to manage. Yeah. yeah. A lot to manage. Mm. What other questions yeah. you have? I don't think that's it. I don't, I'm trying to think if I have any more questions. Mm. We must definitely do this closer to the time. Like, what, 24? Hey? Like Jan, 24, yeah. kind of leading up. Um. The the biggest and what I'll do as well. I mean, and once I maybe I'll send that video sooner. But the packing list is obviously quite unique. But this year there was a big mm. change because the coldest you get on that trip is on the zodiacs. It's when you go either yeah. zodiac cruising or when you just do a, a land transfer to go walking. It's the coldest mm. you can get. And in the past, that was always my heavy clothing. That was your big jacket and your Gore-Tex and all these things. 
But from this year, and I was just confirm this again each year, there's a new law in Svalbard that came in that everybody on Zodiacs have to wear these Baltic, they call it a Baltic flotation suit. Now, it sounds yeah. incredible. It's a big Smurf suit, really. Um, right. But that made a massive difference. Do I have it on here? No, I don't. Um, because then that cuts the heat, uh, that cuts the cold, it cuts the wind. So that probably, for me, chewed up about three kilo three kilograms off my packing weight of having to not take mm. those things. So just to make sure, but as right. far as I know, it's now new regulation that if you get on a Zodiac, you have to wear those. And it actually works okay. quite well. It actually works quite well. So that that's, but I mean, you guys from your shopping for clothing for you should be pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I had to, I just had to buy snow boots and I haven't had like a pair of snow boots. And yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I remember, I think I told the first time I ever went to Svalbard, I went to one of our local outdoor stores here in South Africa. Now, the coldest weekend in winter yeah. is maybe like 10 Celsius, really. So right. I go in, I say to the guys, listen, I need the, the best jacket. And it was like the K-Wave X3000 or some shit like that. Big monster thing, but there's a zip-in fleece, and but like puffy, huge thing. And um, I get there and I freeze my ass off on day one because it's not designed yeah. for that kind of cold. So I bought like, no. like a, a zip hoodie, almost something like what you're wearing now, that kind of look, and I was fine. So I normally just yeah. purchase all my stuff in Longyearbyen, and I have over the years because yeah. South Africa is not equipped to deal with that. Not even close. No, I think, yeah, I should be okay for the most part. Yeah. So I mean, just for people listening, you're in Calgary, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So your, your temperatures yeah. goes yeah. from yeah. what to what? Seasonal? Oh, um, I mean, even this week, it's, let's see what it is right now. Because I think we, I think I told you about this. We get these phenomena called Chinooks. Yes, 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 yes. Where you get warm air coming, and it it's insane. So I think we went from like minus ten to we we're plus twelve today. Jeez, just overnight. Yep, I had like most of our snow melt um, last night. We had freezing rain, which is awesome because then it creates black ice. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, like it's zero degrees right now. Um. Yeah, it's just up all over the place. It'll get colder. Usually, February and January are two coldest months, and they'll get to uh, Calgary. They get to like minus thirty. Um, but if you go, if you go east to Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. um, it can get to like minus fifty. That like like I can't compute that. Like my brain doesn't do that. No. I don't go. I don't go past like minus ten because then it all feels the same. I, I just can't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and like that's not even including the wind chill because you add the wind chill in there, and it's usually like another ten degrees. Easy, yeah. I, I this is for some reason this is the one thing. So from all our guiding courses and all of that, um, you remember like I mean I know all the things, but there's some random stuff that stands out. And this one I think is called the Beaufort wind scale. So for every seven kilometers mm. per hour of wind, the real field temperature drops by one degree Celsius. So, and that, that's yeah. why some game drives are cold. If you go out in the morning on a game drive, it's, I don't know, let's say 10, 12 degrees, you're driving at 40, 42 kilometers an hour, it's dropping it by seven degrees on feel. So it is, it's damn cold. Yeah. So if you have minus mm -hmm. 50 plus wind, I oh, know you're joking. I'm not going to buy yeah, anything for that in South Africa, I tell you that. <laughs> no. Nothing. No. <laughs> um, mm, I guess I should ask, 
for this trip, do I should I bring a squishy guinea pig? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The squishy guinea pigs. pigs. We, 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 how do I even explain this? You explain why, why a squinny? Why would you bring one of those? <laughs> I think it came up because I made a comparison during a crossing. I said guinea pigs sound like tiny zebra. Yeah. And I said that's how we need to get them to cross. We need a <laughs> guinea pig and a megaphone. And then and it are, sounded are, inappropriate. For wasn't the comments about like squeezing it, like squishing it in your hand? Hey? Yeah. And that's why it's going to make yeah, the sound like a zebra crossing. So I, I think, look, you're not going to hear any sounds like that. I'm not sure how polar bears will react to a squishy guinea pig, but um, it's worth <laughs> trying. <laughs> They're phenomenally interesting. Hey? I'm still going to find. Yeah. Say again. I, I just said I'm gonna. I'm still gonna find like a stuffed one and send it to you. I would love that. Thank you. And it will go on every trip from then on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually speaking to someone recently. What is a guinea pig in Afrikaans? My language, because we only have in our language we call it a hamster, which is a hamster. I don't think we have mm. a name for a guinea pig in my language, do we? Krumfarki, yeah, Anyway, if anybody of Afrikaans is listening, you know what a guinea pig is in Afrikaans. Please let me know because I do not know. See, not not that of yeah, I think they call them something different. I think they call them something different in the UK, but I can't remember what it is. What is a gerbil? I think is a gerbil the same as a guinea pig? No, gerbil. I think they're almost like a, they're like a mouse. Yeah, like they've got a fuzzy tail though, so I don't. But this is why it gets off good because you get in in that realm. There's a mouse. There's a rat. There's a hamster. There's a guinea pig. There's a gerbil. Yeah. What are we dealing with here? You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you the story about when when I was young? I think I was like seven. My other sister was five. And my uncle came, he lived in Switzerland at the time, came across. And as a gift, he bought us each a little mouse, like in a cage. My yeah. mom was obviously delighted about this. So he gives us this, this rat, this, this cage. I had a black one. My sister had a white one. And that was like a cool gift. Like, yeah, we have pets. And the one day we come back from primary school, whatever it was, and my mouse had killed my sister's mouse. They hadn't, they had a discussion and they mine killed her yeah. little white mouse with blood. So my, my mom's like trying to explain to us about death and how it works. And my sister's like, no, no, this is cool. We can share yours. Can I hold him? She's like, okay, cool. So she holds him and she just squishes him dead in her hand like this. Literally squeezes the, the mouse to death, puts it back and walks away. Now she's good. Jeez. What the fuck? I'm like, at seven, I wouldn't have to, be able to deal with shit like that. But she squeezed my mouse yeah. stuck in her hand and killed it. It's like, wow. So I've, I've had a thing against these things. I can't draw my bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very bad. But no, I, anyway, so, so I don't yeah. think we would need a squishy guinea pig in Svalbard, but if you do find one, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I find a plush one that makes a sound, I'm, I'm bringing it with me. Um, yeah, please post it all over Instagram and tag me because that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great place. The other thing, I mean, we, we'll get closer to the time as well, but when you go there, there's like the museum there and there's the history and the, the squishy seals and squishy um, polar bear things you can buy there. It's pretty cool. But none of them make sounds as far as mm. I know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but what we'll do is, I think, yeah, closer to the time, maybe even I'm going to Svalbard next year, May, maybe yeah. just before or after that, as I'm in that mindset and processing for it and prepping for it, or just back, we must do this. And then 
I, you know what I must actually do? And this is, I haven't told anybody this. I still have, in 2015, in Svalbard, I did a diary. Every day I did diary mm. and I put it together day one, day two, day three. I did the same this year. I just haven't even put yeah. it together yet. And there's some pretty cool stuff. So maybe that's my December project is get my Svalbard diary for 2021 up. What are we in? 22. Sorry, 22. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's some cool stuff. And it is, it'll also give you, an, it gives you, well, it doesn't really, it gives you a very good idea of the experience where the meals happen. There's a ship walk through and everything like that. So I'll put that out as well. And maybe we can, we can catch up again after that and see how it's, uh, how it is. Have you got any other plans from now until then local travel or what are you keeping busy with? Um, possibly Scotland with some friends. Oh, nice. When is this? Pardon? When is that? Uh, I think we're talking about doing fall of 2023. Oh, nice. That sounds cool. Um, yeah, I haven't been in ten years, and I I love Scotland. Like the Highlands are mm. incredible. So I, I haven't done enough of Scotland, unfortunately. On the when I was working on the Queen Mary too, we stopped there, but only the coastal areas, and it was like a tease. It's like, look, there it is. Mm. No, okay, come, we got to go now. It's not cool. We need to spend yeah. more time. No, the high, Highlands are. I don't know. There's something special mm. about them. Yeah, we'll get there as well one day. And local camping trips and stuff. Anything coming up? I'm sure I'll I'll be camping this year. Yeah. I fly fish, so I'm quite on the mountains during the summer. Nice man, fishing. That's awesome. So I have to ask, what is the bird yeah. over your left shoulder? I'm just seeing like the top corner of it. Uh that is a ringneck pheasant that my grandfather shot. Okay, it's very yeah. nicely displayed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, got a whole bunch of like. I'll show you this one. Um, yeah, because these are all. Things my grandfather shot, but what is that? That's that's our so that's a pronghorn. So that's oh, that's a pronghorn, yeah. The only yeah, so that's the only antelope native to North America. <laughs> Aren't the hell of a quick as well? Yeah, yeah. I think they're actually the second fastest land animal yes. after the cheetah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Do you hunt? Uh birds. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now people are going to send you hate mail because you're a hunter. Don't do it. Don't do it. Leave him be. There's always, I mean, you start touching conservation and hunting. The com the conversation mm. goes into a very interesting thing. But I think it's also people are too polarized on everything in life right now. We're not even sitting around the table having discussions anymore. So anyway, but that's a very, yeah. very, very different discussion. <laughs> that one. Yeah. 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 Very different. We'll save that for another yeah. time. Um, but listen, Evan, quickly yeah. to wrap up. Can can you in thirty seconds, for example, if you meet someone in an elevator, they ask you where should they go on holiday? What would you say? Why go to the Mara? Just to pull it back where we started. Mm. Like I don't want to just say it. again. Go go for the wildlife. Go for the landscape, but really go for the people. Mm. Um, and I don't want to sound like a used car salesman, but go with wildlife. Don't go with anyone else. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. No, it, it's been amazing. <laughs> hey, it's, um, it's, and we got pictures from, I must actually send you, I'll send you when we finish you on WhatsApp because the guys, after we finished last week, Sunday, they packed up and they, then they got mm -hmm. all their like family and then they've got a party to finish up. And then it's just, it's just a beautiful ending for them. And then they take all the stuff home. So I'll see if I can find any of those. I'll send them to you. It's really cool. Yeah. 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 Awesome um, stuff. Yeah, 
Love it, awesome. man. But listen, it was amazing sharing the Mara with you. I'm great. I'm so glad you could experience it finally after all of the time. Thank you, COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I'm sure the guys would like to see you back there one day. Who knows? We'll make a plan. And then you and I'll stay in touch. Oh, with this. We'll do that. another one of these um, heading up to Svalbard. But if you have any questions, let me know. We can do either save them up. We'll do a, a podcast because the feedback on the first one where you ask questions in the Mara was really good. Helped a lot of people. So if you if you have if you line them up again, let's do that again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll set some questions up and good stuff, sure man. That's awesome. come up with. But anyway, I'll wrap this one up. And uh, yeah, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Good stuff. Thanks, man. No problem. Happy to talk. There you go, guys. If you have any questions on the Mara on Svalbard, uh, please get in touch. You know, we get a hold of me, Jerry at Wildeye. I will, or I'm, I always do look forward to hearing from you. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Have a good one. Bye for now.